This is an RNZ podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Money with me, Mary Holm. Thanks for taking just a few minutes to listen in while Jesse Mulligan and I talk through some useful ideas about how to make your money work better for you. Just remember though, this is guidance. Final decisions are up to you. Over to Jesse. Let's go to money. And Mary Holm is our personal finance expert. We'll just move on, Mary. How are you? Yeah, fine, thanks, Jesse. How are you? Great. Mary's got this book, Rich Enough, out just in time for Christmas. Hey, laid yeah. back guide for every Kiwi. And she has, well, first things first, Mary's uh, segment on our show is one of the most uh, popular ones we do. And so we've turned it into a podcast. And uh, if you don't catch it on a Thursday, you can go online and uh, go to the podcast page and you can actually subscribe to Mary's podcast or you can use whatever podcast app that you use. <coughs> uh, search for Your Money, Mary Holm on RNZ or any of those keywords should do it and you can subscribe and make sure that you get our weekly or our fortnightly chats, whether you happen to be in front of a radio or not. Uh, second thing is that as of next year, we're moving Mary to prime time. 3.10, just after the 3 o'clock news every second Thursday. So still uh, every second Thursday, but it will be not uh, at this time of day. It'll be just after 3 o'clock when more people are listening, and that starts 24th of January. So you set a bit of a challenge to our listeners last time you were yes, here. Yes, yeah. Um, to send an interesting question, and really it was... Um, in order to win a copy of my new book. Mm. So we've got five questions I've chosen that I just thought were interesting and possibly helpful to other listeners as well. And those people will all get a copy of the book. Yes, very good. And they're all yeah. questions broadly on the theme of sorting out your personal finances. Yes. Uh, and so we're going to read out the, the letters and we'll get Mary's responses too over the next uh, 20 minutes or so. Uh, Amanda's uh, writing on the topic of whether a house is out of reach for a couple in their 30s. She says that life as a young professional in Auckland is stressful at times and she and her husband manage as best they can. But approaching their mid-30s, her husband's halfway through his journey to become a secondary school teacher and she's been working full-time since completing her master's. They both work in education. They are both satisfied working in jobs where they... Uh, get to support families and help children learn and grow. But it's difficult living in a house of six flatmates, says Amanda. They're all trying their best financially. Why else would you live in a house of six? And we always thought by 30 we'd have a small house of our own and be in a financial situation to start having a family. We're pretty sensible. We don't have any big debts apart from student loans. It's easy to get overwhelmed and panic and spend that extra cash now and then because that house seems ridiculously out of reach. What is your response, Mary? Yeah, I mean, you know, I have sympathy with her and, and good on Amanda and her partner for living in a house with six flatmates. I mean, that's certainly one way people can can cope in this tough housing environment and save a fair bit of money. And so, although I hate it, I hope there's more than one bathroom there. Um, but, um, and, and when to, where she says it's easy to get overwhelmed and panic and spend the extra cash now and then, don't be too hard on yourself as long as you're not doing that too often. Mm. Um, you know, life's for living in the meantime as well. And, and, and some people get too um, strict about their saving. But having said that, it really would be a good idea for them to keep saving. And in my book, I talk about how house prices generally in New Zealand are two, two to three times 
average income. So average house prices generally in history have been two to three times average incomes. And currently in New Zealand, it's more than six times average incomes. And in Auckland, it's been up as much as nine. So I'm when you look at those numbers, they've got to come back down again. House prices have either got to, got to come down or stay where they are for quite a long time as incomes catch up. Because in the long run, you've got all these other factors feeding in, scarcity of land and immigration and all of these other things feed in. But in the long run, people have got to be able to afford to buy the houses. And so I think in the long run, people will be able to afford them. But I do um, talk in the book about how you can do quite well without aiming to buy a house at Mm. the moment, save up over the long term um, and rent in the meantime and possibly even rent for life. And um, when you look at the finances, as long as you save a big bulk lump sum of money to get to retirement with to cover your accommodation, so you want to be saving more than your friends who've got a house, and you can at that point perhaps buy a house or... Uh, keep renting for the rest of your life. There's no, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. And, you know, while there's a lot of reasons why people do want to own houses, like the security of it and not being kicked out by your landlord, being able to develop a garden, knowing that you can then um, enjoy the fruits of the garden, um, at the same time, there are quite big advantages to renting for, for the long haul, um, such as not having to worry about maintenance and that kind of stuff. It's easier to live downtown, tends to be, it's easier to rent and live downtown or near the CBD, and that can be good for young professional couples like Amanda and her partner. Um, If you're renting, it tends to be cheaper to do that in in the middle of the city. It's much easier to move. um, If you're going overseas or whatever, you can just bail out and move. So there's, you know, the renter's life is not necessarily a worse life. Um, So I encourage people to... Don't give up. Set yourself some pretty tight savings goals, and but don't necessarily buy at the moment. Um, just perhaps sit around and see what happens to the housing market. Okay, I hope that helps, Amanda. And uh, there's more in the book, and you've just won a copy, so well done. John's won a copy too. He wrote to us about ways of getting value from his house in retirement. John says, we want equity release on our house. It's worth $200,000. Uh, he names a couple of banks that have higher minimum house valuations than that, so we can't get a reverse mortgage. But a reverse mortgage is surely not the only way to release equity. Can you discuss other ways to do it? We're late 60s, childless, few remaining assets, and wanting to use this money. Should we sell and rent? And perhaps, Mary, yeah. you can just talk to because things like releasing equity is the sort of jargon that can put people off. Yes, yeah. What equity basically means the value of your house minus your mortgage. So it's sort of the part of the house that you own, if if you will. Um, And so equity release is sort of making use of that. And here's John and his partner who've got a house worth 200,000 and they're finding that's just too low. They must be in a smaller town, I'm guessing, with with Mm, a house of that value. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, They're finding that they can't go and get what's called a reverse mortgage from... The, the two that are supplying them, the two main providers at the moment are Heartland and SBS banks, and um, they have a higher minimum than that. And in any case, they tend to only give you a fairly small proportion of the value of your house. And so with a 200k house, it's not going to they're not going to get a lot of money out of it that way. But um, 
in the book I do go into in considerable depth into all sorts of other ways to make use of the fact that you've got a, you're sitting in a house worth a lot of money. Um, and one of them, he says at the end of his letter, should we sell and rent? And that's, you know, quite revolutionary. A lot of New Zealanders would say, no, I'm not going to do that mm. in retirement. I'm not going to sell my house. But um, it could be, you know, in, in certain circumstances, if you could, as long as you can rent, in their case, if they're selling and getting 200000 for the house, then they've still they've got to cover their rent for the rest of their lives. Maybe in the town they're living in, rents are very cheap as well. Uh, but you've got to weigh that up, of course. You know, assume that you might be living another twenty or possibly even thirty years. But so that's that's one possibility for people. Others are to take in boarders or flatmates. Those are, that's another way of making use of the equity in your house. It depends very much on, um, you know, especially if you live near a university or something like that. It, it can be quite easy to get mm. some young ones passing through, and and people quite often enjoy that. Subdividing. Um, can work for some people. It, obviously, it depends if you've got a big enough section and if the local authorities will let you, but certainly local governments are much more amenable to that than they used to be in, in the big cities mm-hmm. um, and possibly the smaller towns. Then there's rates postponement, which is something that John might not know about, where you can, with many of the local authorities, you can um, put off paying your rates until you sell the house or die, which could be many years down the track. So they, in effect, lend you your rates in the meantime. They do charge interest on that money, and so it does compound, but it's at a fairly low interest rate. The councils tend to do it. I think Auckland's doing it for somewhere between 3 and 4%. I'm not sure about that, but you know, roughly it's quite mm-hmm. low interest they're charging. And so that can free up you know, 100,200, I mean, sorry, 1,000 or 2,000 or something dollars a year for people to be spending. So and there, there are various ways um, people can, can one way or another use that equity. I also would suggest that if they really are keen on a reverse mortgage, they could approach these the lenders, not only Heartland and SBS, but their own bank, and just ask them, because sometimes the banks, while they don't offer that sort of product to everybody might to a particular customer so worth pursuing all those options okay uh, that's for john enjoy your book john brady has won a copy of mary holmes book as well it's uh for this email about uh paying off debt brady asks how do i know which high interest debt to tackle first yeah lovely short short question thank you brady i was just going to say at the beginning by the way that some people sent us huge long emails telling us all about their financial situation and i appreciate that and, and thanks to everybody for the lovely kind comments about you and me yeah there were, we got dozens um, and dozens scores of emails yeah, well yeah maybe yeah, we did we got a lot yeah. we got a lot um but some of them were just the questions were just too long and too broad to cope for cope with in, in a session like this. But Brady's lovely short question: How do you know which high interest debt to tackle first? First of all, I want to say good on you for tackling any high interest debt. It's the, by far the best thing anyone can do for their finances. If you've got credit card or other high interest debt, you must get rid of it. It just does so much damage to to your wealth. Generally, the rule, Brady, is to go with the highest interest first, whichever debt is charging you the highest interest. So if you have a debt where, and, and you, if you don't know exactly how much interest they're charging, just ask them or have a look in the documentation or have a look at their website. Um, generally, you know, credit cards often charging about 20% 
um, and if you pay off credit card debt on which they're charging you 20%, that's like having an investment that earns you 20%. Mm. It improves your wealth in the same way. Getting rid of a horrible high interest debt is like earning high interest return on an investment. It's a terrific thing to do. Um, in the book, I've got one couple. I've got a whole lot of true tales in the book, and one of them is about a couple who ran up credit card debt of 180000 I can't remember whether I've talked to you about this before, Jesse, but um, extraordinary. And they tell how they you got did. out you of it. You mentioned it last did time. Did I? Mm. Yeah. They tell how they got out of that debt. If they did it with the help of a friend or relative, um, but if, if Brady wants help to sort of get himself organised to do it, if he goes to fincap.org.nz, that's F-I-N-C-A-P.org.nz, they will help him set up a, a plan to pay down the debt. And they'll sometimes be able to talk to creditors, that's that's the people you owe the money to, and arrange to pay the debt very slowly. They'll sometimes even arrange to reduce the debt. If you owe 50000 they might be able to talk them into saying, look, if we set up a plan for Brady to pay this back, yeah. um, will you accept 40000 And And so it's really worth going and talking to them. They're the ones who can get you back on the right track there. Great. Well done, Brady. Jeff wants to uh, know about investing in Auckland apartments. He and his wife are 50. They have a $185,000 mortgage but have invested in an apartment in the Auckland CBD. It's currently being built. It'll be completed mid-next year. But ever since we signed up to it and paid the deposit, the market has slowed in Auckland and we are very nervous. I've heard you say, just sit back and relax, but is this wise... Your book sounds like a recipe for sorting it, and I would love this as I'm chewing my nails daily. Yeah, poor, poor Mary Jeff. sometimes says some. Mary sometimes will say to me, "Some people just aren't cut out for this sort of investing." Yeah, <laughs> yes, that, that you it's know, the first and thing that leaps into be, my mind. Yes, indeed, he's he and his wife are investing in an apartment, um, and they're nervous because the market's going down. By the way, I was just looking this morning, and in the Auckland CBD, where they've got their apartment, prices haven't gone down yet. They've, they're about stagnant at the moment. But who knows what's going to happen mm-hmm. in the future, though. Um, my first advice to them is please don't sell it um, as soon as you can, if, in, unless you're getting a gain on it or you, you can mm. re- recover your money, in which case if you're really feeling panicky and you can recover your money, perhaps you should sell. But it's really not a good idea to sell in a panic when when prices have gone down. This applies to shares and property. Uh, they're long-term investments and you've got to be in there for the long haul. And it would be astonishing if this uh, this CBD apartment doesn't... If it does fall in value, it would be astonishing if it doesn't go back up again. It, it will in the long run. He says in his letter... He says, I heard you say, just sit back and relax. Is this wise? And I just want to point out that that's wise if you follow my five rules about being in in up and down markets. And just very quickly, those rules are to be diversified, so invest in a range of investments, to ignore past performance largely. Don't look at which types of assets have done well in the past or look at the immediate past returns on particular assets because... um, what happened in the, in the immediate past is quite often the exact opposite happens in the immediate future. Don't try and time markets, which is what he'd be doing if he's 
looking to sort of rush in and rush out again. Don't be in a position to, where you're forced to sell, which is what he could do if he if he's panicking. Uh, the fifth rule is is just relax. Um, so I mean, basically, Jeff and his wife should. Now that they're in there, they might have, might have been a mistake for them to get in, given that they're feeling this nervous about it. But now that they're in there, I'd say, please try and just hang in there mm. and things will come right. The one thing yeah. about investing in an apartment is it's not massively adverse in investment, is it? No. Yeah. If, you, if you own your own home and you've got an apartment and those are your only investments... It, it, they might have KiwiSaver as well, though, for all we know. It's good for them to have something else. Having said that, an apartment is a bit different from a house in the suburbs. They're slightly different markets, and so there is some degree of diversification versus renting out the, the house next door to you mm. in the suburbs. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and our other winner today is Judy, who would like to know, this is an interesting one, how a beneficiary should handle an inheritance. Can you help, please, Mary, our friend, has inherited $200,000 from his deceased father's estate. He receives a sickness benefit, we believe, and he's debt-free. Housing New Zealand have provided him with a less-than-ideal flat. He lives within his means, and he's a savvy budgeter. Up until 14 months ago, he'd been living on the street for the previous 10 years. He's working hard at remaining drug and alcohol-free. He sees this inherited money as an opportunity to get ahead, However, the burden of knowing what to do with it is causing him great stress, so much so his latest plan is to hide it under the mattress. Mary. This is a really interesting one because there's a whole lot of sort of issues here. Um, he, You know, you've, you've got to say this, this chap is justified in being a little bit worried because it's wonderful that he's inherited $200,000, but... Um, what's the wise thing to do with it? I would suggest that he, and possibly Judy, who's written a letter, who has, is his friend, they could go together. First of all, um, have a look at the website called Money Talks, or one word, .co.nz, and that offers a free service. It's supported by the Ministry of Social Development, so it's it's you know it's not um, trying to sell anything. It's it's a proper legitimate. Help, helping agency mm. uh, that has financial mentors and he could go on the website first, possibly ring them up and talk to them, but go in and see them would, would be the best thing to do. Um, I talked to one of the people there and got some basic advice there. He said, this chap's in Housing New Zealand property. He won't get kicked out straight away, but if they when, when they find out he's got this inheritance, they will they could quite possibly sort of ease him out. And fair enough too, because there's a shortage of housing New Zealand properties. And if the rest of us know there's someone sitting in one of those who's got two hundred thousand dollars in the bank, we're gonna be saying, Well, you know, is that is he the best one to be in there? Um his benefits could also be affected by it. You can earn eighty dollars a week, but beyond that's basically in most of the benefits I think you can earn eighty dollars a week when you earn more than that, um, then your benefit is reduced. And the thing is, with his money, if he's putting it in, say, a bank term deposit, he will be earning more than that because he's earning interest on the two hundred thousand dollars. But he's um, got under a mattress at the moment. Don't yeah, earn much I from, know from that, that investment. But the, the trouble with that, of course, is theft and fire, and, and and he's not getting anything out of it. You know, the thing is, the the man I talked to said, if if he can go in and talk to a financial mentor through money talks, he can work out what he wants to do with it. He might be able to 
He might want to get himself back into the workforce, but maybe not. Maybe he's unable to do that. He might want to move to a private rental. He might want to um, buy his own place with 200000 We just heard of um, John, who had a house worth 200000 mm-hmm. It is possible to buy possibly a unit or something for even less than that. And then he's got his own accommodation taken care of. There are all sorts of possibilities for him. He can definitely make his life better, but he's got to be a bit careful about it. So it's a really good idea for him to go to Money Talks and arrange to meet a financial mentor who can talk through with him all the ramifications from it so that he can enjoy it instead of being worried about it. Yeah. Thank you, Mary. Uh, so that's five letters. All of them have one copies of Mary's book, so they can go a little deeper into some of these solutions. The book is called Rich Enough, a laid-back guide for every Kiwi. And Mary Holm continues with us uh, every fortnight on a Thursday after 3 o'clock next year. We're moving it yeah, slightly. and I just want to say maybe in the first session or possibly even two, we might do some of the other questions that people send yeah. in because they were excellent. So thanks, everybody, for those questions. And thanks to some suggestions that have come in over the last few minutes. Gav says, why don't your second couple sell their house to the first couple? <laughs> Surely the provinces could use some teachers. It's creative thinking, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Mm, yeah. Okay. Thanks, <laughs> like nice that, to see yes. you.